Welcome to the Life at Full Blast podcast. I am so excited you're here and ready for your most extraordinary life. I used to escape all the mental turmoil and the spinning by seeking solutions outside of myself. I have lived through that chaos and I see you. I see you fighting and struggling. This is the place to be to find your direction so that you can decide what's next. It's time to stop making your outside circumstances the reason that you can't have what you want. You're in the driver's seat. This is the place to learn what direction to go. I cannot wait to introduce my next guest on the show, the Life at Full Blast podcast. I met Mel Mason at an event in Las Vegas two years ago at the time of this recording and instantly was connected to her. Mel Mason and I share a similar background and yet so much different because we are all so different. But Mel, the clutter expert, welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me, Cindy. Such an honor and a pleasure to be here and share space with you. Always, always. So let's dive right in because you know I'm not going to hold back. I would love to know your story. You have quite the journey. Where did you begin? (laughs) That's a loaded question. Right? I'm known for those. (laughs) Where did I begin? Well, there was nothing keeping me from coming into this world. Let's just put it that way. My parents tried to use protection and that didn't work. Grew up knowing and being told basically that I was a hole in the condom. So that's how my life started, uh, believing that I was an accident and a problem. Uh, So that kicked life off on the right foot, shall we say. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But uh, the clutter expert, where did I come from? So growing up, if you tried to come into my room, Mm -hmm you were pretty much taking your life into your hands. You better have a life insurance policy because more than likely you would have broke your neck. Mm -hmm. You know, most people, they have pathways that you could like actually see to go from one place, at least get from the door to the bed or the door to the closet. Like the entire floor was just absolutely covered. You couldn't, you couldn't. And I was fine living like that. There was nothing on my radar that there was anything not okay with that until mom got mad mm-hmm. <laughs> and wanted me to clean my room. If I cleaned it, it was like under the bed, in the closet, shoved in the many junk drawers that I had, right? I'd clean it. But every once in a while, mom would get pissed enough that she'd clean it, right? Mm. Oh God, she would do such a good job too, right? <laughs> She's organized, right? Everything would have a place, be in its place. It would be so neat. It would look so good. Mm -hmm. Then what would happen? It would go right back to the way that it was. The Mm -hmm. chaotic mess that you were going to break your neck if you tried to walk in. Now, I I could get from my door to my bed and my door to my desk, no problem. Mm -hmm. But if it was you, forget it. And... You know, what I didn't realize at the time is that whatever's going on outside of us in our environment is simply a mirror reflection of what's going on within. 
And the way that I look at it is that I was pretty much littered with clutter on the inside at a very early age. And when I say littered with clutter, what I'm talking about is all kinds of unprocessed emotions from traumatic events and losses that we experience and all those lovely limiting beliefs and programming that we take on as we grow up, like coming into the world, believing that I was a mistake and an accident and a problem right from the get-go, right? And at an early age, I experienced a lot of different traumatic events without going into all the gory details. I mean, my parents divorced when I was four years old. I experienced sexual trauma multiple times from multiple different perpetrators at eight until I was 13. And one of my perpetrators being my older brother, um, <clears throat> when I confronted him about the abuse, he proceeded to that very night that I confronted him, take his life. So my brother committed suicide when I was 15 years old. And he basically left himself for me to find him. Yeah. I was living with him at the time. He told me that he would have my stuff packed for me. I came to pick it up and that's when I found him. And that was probably one of the most traumatic events that happened in my life. And when I found him, he had left a suicide note, which left his entire belongings to me at 15 years old. Right. So if anyone in your audience has ever had to go through the belongings of a loved one that's passed, mm -hmm. you get it. I get yeah. you. I've been there. I had to go through my brother's entire apartment within days after him passing and go back through and be left alone in that apartment while like my dad was like outside, like I was like left alone in the house going through things and this, it's like nighttime and super eerie and I'm like freaked out like, oh my God, this feels like awful. I remember being scared just being even in there, never mind making the decisions about what I wanted to keep, right? And at that point in my life, like before my brother even committed suicide, I was already like not wanting to be in my body on the planet anymore. I wasn't actively trying to commit suicide, but I wasn't trying to stay on the planet either. Like I was risky behavior. I was taking whatever chemicals I could combine and put them in my body. I was doing drugs. I was, I was harming myself with razor blades, like you name it. I was, I was not really wanting to be here. And so when my brother committed suicide, it was it was almost the nail in my coffin. Mm -hmm. I finally decided to have a plan. I was going to kill myself. I was going to kill myself exactly the way that my brother did it. And my high school at the time decided that I wasn't really fit for school. And they said that you're pretty much a danger to yourself and others, and you can't come back until you get some intensive therapy. So what that looked like was getting shipped off to psychiatric ward to short-term residential treatment center, a diagnostic center, and then going to live in a long-term residential treatment center for adolescents. So basically for two years of my life, I was institutionalized, almost three, um, and got out of treatment when I was almost 18. But getting shipped off and living in that residential treatment center was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. Because while I was living there, I was introduced to yoga and mindfulness. <clears throat> and in a nutshell, what yoga and mindfulness taught me how to do was become willing to look yeah. at all of that inner clutter that had accumulated. 
-hmm. and learn how to release it. Now, what I will say is, like I said before, I wasn't trying to get organized. I didn't care about cleaning my room. Right. <laughs> but as a result of becoming willing to look, what started to happen was I just spontaneously and effortlessly started to create order in my life. Mm -hmm. Everything had a place and had to be in a place and I went from someone who was completely okay living in chaos and filth. I had trash all over the place too, mm -hmm. to someone who could no longer tolerate disorder and loves creating order out of chaos. And so I completely had this 180 degree shift as a result of being willing to look. And ultimately what I was doing is I was making the corresponding energetic space within because the outside is only a mirror. And as I created the space within myself, the outside had to match. Mm -hmm. I wasn't forcing myself. I wasn't scheduling time to get organized. I wasn't planning it. It pretty much happened unconsciously. And then I looked back in my life and I'm like, oh, that was a cluttered mess. And I went from that to that because mm -hmm. I became willing to do the work. I became willing to look. And fast forward a lot of years later, my life, you know, took this windy path of trying to figure out what I was going to do, but I wound up with a background in energy healing and yoga teacher training and never knowing what I was going to do with all these pieces. And then one day it was like, oh, I have this background in energy healing and I can hold really safe space for people. And I love creating order out of chaos. And I figured out how to keep the clutter from coming back. So let me launch an organizing business. Yeah. And January of next year, it'll be 10 years that I've been in business. Oh, I love your story so much. I mean, I, I love that you bring up this, the inside matches the outside, because we all, so many of us are trying to control the outside experience by forcing our bodies to do things that the body doesn't want to do by forcing ourselves to clean up our mess when really the mess is on the inside. And it's funny, as you were talking, I'm like, oh my God, I did the same thing. So I'm known for being ridiculously organized. Uh, my fiance always laughs. He's like, you know where everything is in the house, including my stuff. <laughs> like I do, but I wasn't always that way either. And that's why I resonate so much with your stories because my room was also a danger <laughs> when I was young. <laughs> it was very dangerous. Danger, danger. I have photos of it. It's a scary thing. And it's, it's when you see how I am now and how I was then, it's really hard to put together how that worked, but it, you're right. It all comes from that inner work. Yeah. yeah. And it's so super simple. Like what it really boils down to and people don't realize is it boils down to a willingness to look Yeah, because all of the physical clutter is quite frankly accumulating because it's like, oh, I don't want to look at it. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't want to look. Yep. So it's this unwillingness. Yeah. And the minute that you become willing, you reverse and you create energetic space. We're energetic beings. Mm -hmm. Everything is energy, right? So the minute that you become willing, that just that willingness alone, you don't need to dig, you don't need to know the trauma, you don't need to know the feelings, you don't need to know the limiting beliefs, you don't need to know jack shit, you just need to be willing to look. And in that willingness, you begin to create corresponding energetic space within, and then the outside has to match. It's a freaking law, just like gravity. Like there's nothing you can do about it. You don't have to believe in it for it to work, yep. but become willing to look 
and everything starts to shift. And the great thing about it is it's not just the physical clutter that clears up in your life. Every area of your life gets better because clutter manifests as being overweight, struggling with addiction, acting like a doormat, being in unhealthy relationships, the debt cycle, not having enough time, being too busy, the whole busy energy, like all of those things are just external manifestations of the same one internal condition. And so when you get to the root, every area of your life gets better. And that's why my whole premise of my business is it's your birthright to thrive in every area of your life. And if you're not, there's clutter. Yes. So you are speaking my language. I love it so much. And I love that you brought up, you don't need to know what it is. I think so many of us get caught up in the idea that I need to go and look at exactly what it was and figure out who did what to me when I was a kid and why I'm feeling this way. And I, if you're just willing to look, you don't actually need to know what it is. What would you say to somebody who's kind of caught in that pattern of trying to figure out what it is? Yeah. I mean, it's so perfect. Like trust. I mean, you've always heard that you're never given more than you can handle, right? And so when you become willing to look what you're ready to process, what you're ready to release, what you're ready to look at is going to make itself aware when you're ready. So for example, I always thought that my brother being one of my abusers and then him committing suicide when I confronted him, like being the big hairy trauma in my life. Like I thought that was the Mm -hmm. thing, right? Right. And after three years of consistently doing the practice that I teach my clients, because I took a long time off after I got free from clutter, like then I started manifesting all the other manifestations, (laughs) drug addiction, homeless, unhealthy relationship, debt cycle, overweight, like I had all the things because I stopped doing what I learned when I was in treatment, right? Right. But as a result of being willing to look and do that work, three years of doing it consistently every day, all of a sudden, something else was revealed to me, which was all of the abandonment that I experienced from my mom and from my dad that happened early on in my life. Now I did this practice daily for three years before anything big showed up. And then this showed up when I was ready and not a moment sooner, but I still was getting massive results in my life. Mm -hmm. So I didn't need to know what the trauma was. I didn't need it to come up to be released in order to start generating results. I mean, I manifested a $50,000 check just by doing this work for five minutes a day. Yes. You know I what love I mean? this. Mm-hmm. I love this so much because I see it's happened so many times of I need to heal more before I can. I need to make sure that I'm confident enough before I can. I need to make sure that I've got enough money in the bank account before I can. No, just go do it now. <laughs> Book the trip, the money comes. Commit yes. and the money comes. Yeah. Yes. You know, the other one that I love too is that people think they need to know why they're hanging on to something in order to let it go. They need to know the story, right? Why am I hanging on to this? I I need to understand why it's, you know, it's unfulfilled dreams, untapped potential. I'm hanging on to my college books because I didn't graduate or I didn't do something with it. I need to know why to let go. Mm -hmm. So two huge things that happened in my life where I never figured out why I was hanging on to the items and I was able to let them go. So Back from 1998, I was carrying these books around, like all of these books, they were channeled books by the Pleiadians. And I was super like, I resourced them all the time. I swore I would never let them go, was uber attached to them. 
I carry them around from 1998 till about two years ago. Mm -hmm. I looked at them over and over again. I've packed them. I've unpacked them, moved them, all the things. I never figured out why I was hanging on to them. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, one day I'm sitting in my chair over here and I'm putting my shoes on and I'm looking at my bookcase and I'm like, huh, it's time for you to go now. Mm -hmm. No understanding why. Didn't need to know. All of a sudden, the books came off the shelf. I put them on a cute little table, took a picture, shared it on Facebook, because we know if it's not yeah. on Facebook, it doesn't happen, right? Yeah. And then I donated them. But I never figured out why I was so attached to them. Right. But when I was ready to let them go, I let them go. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. And that's hilarious, because, of course, I have a set of books that I'm still carrying around. I've never actually questioned why I have them. I assume I know why, but I'm okay with that. There, it's a set of Encyclopedia Britannica from 1985, right? Right? Every time I move, my friends are like, damn you, Cindy, fuck to carry one more box of encyclopedias. And they come with me everywhere I go. <laughs> Not ready to let go yet. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's so important that I, one of the things that I want your audience to understand is you don't want to force yourself to let go of what you're not ready to let go of. Yeah. Because it's so detrimental. That's why that show Hoarders is like awful. Like mm -hmm. it's just it's mm -hmm. like, that's, that's how, why I even started my business in the first place, but you will let go of what you're ready to let go of when you're ready to let go of it and not a moment sooner. Yeah. I love that. Cause only it feels like it almost really Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. When you force yourself to let go of something that you're not ready to, like you're basically you're tearing down your defense system and leaving yourself completely raw and exposed. Like your clutter mm -hmm. is your protection. Your weight is your right. protection. Your addiction is your protection. Your unhealthy relationship is your protection. Being busy is your protection. It's the way that you mm -hmm. keep yourself safe and you keep everyone else out, but you also keep yourself out, right? right? So if you just like rip it open and just like drop a bomb on the wall, right? You're like, oh shit, let me build it back up. But guess what? I'm going to build it with reinforcements this time because you ain't getting in this time, right? So it gets worse. That's why whenever somebody loses weight too quickly, they put it back on plus another 20 pounds, yeah. right? It, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. So- And when they go from the outside in, they're just treating the symptom, not the cause. Exactly. So you mentioned that you did this exercise for five minutes a day. What did you do? Yeah. So it's the signature practice that I teach all my clients. I call it allowing the now. Ultimately, mm -hmm. it's the willingness to look. It's the willingness to experience your experience in the moment exactly as it is. Now it's literally allowing the now. What's happening right now in this moment? Is my mind racing? Do I feel physical sensations in my body? Are there emotions coming up? Am I hearing sounds? Am I smelling smells? Am I literally thinking this girl Mel is super freaking crazy and she thinks five minutes is going to make me start decluttering my life? Like who the hell does she think she is? Like you can think all the things and still get the results. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Awesome. That's good. And I, I mean, how many of the, the spiritual people out there say be in the present moment, right? But we're so busy worried about the past or worrying about the future that we forget to just breathe for a minute. Yeah, life is now. We only have right now. Yes. The past is gone. Mm -hmm. 
right here, right now, what's happening. And when you, so here's the other thing is that energetically, everything boils down to like, we can only be in one of two states. If you boil everything down, it's one of two states. We're either resisting, avoiding, right? That resistance energy mm -hmm. or we're open and allowing. Yep. The, the, it, whatever it boils down to, it's always going to be one of two states, which is fear and faith. Yep. Right. And guess what? You can't be in both at the same time. It's not, not possible. Somebody I had on the show not too long ago brought this exact topic up. It's of course, because we're all in the same room, but it, it's, um, it takes just as much energy to be in fear as it does to be in faith. But we tend to focus on the fear. Why is that? Well, I mean, our brain is hardwired to keep us alive. So it's always looking for the negative, right? So it's just, you know, love your brain, your reptilian brain that wants to keep you alive. It's always like looking for the, it's got to be scared. It's got to keep you alive, be on your toes, right? We don't want any change because you might die. Right? Right. Thank you, reptilian brain. I appreciate you. This resistance is resistance. And that's what I love about allowing the now is that it's acknowledging, it's allowing whatever's in the moment. Oh, there's resistance here. Oh, there's sadness here. Oh, my mind is racing. Oh, I think this girl Mel is freaking crazy out of her mind, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Right? What do you got to lose? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the other thing, it's like, yeah, it takes the same amount of energy to be in fear or faith, right? But here's the thing. When we're in faith, it empowers us and energizes us and gives us energy. And yeah. when we're in fear, it takes from us. It depletes us. Yeah, I love that. So you are a busy, busy lady these days, but not just working because that's not all you do. I recently saw on your Facebook feed, because if it didn't happen on Facebook, it didn't happen. <laughs> That's right. That you ran 50 kilometers in a race. Can you tell us about that and then what you're doing next? Yes, absolutely. So when you begin to clear the clutter in every area of your life, like, so first and foremost, we all have access to whatever you want to call it, God, source, creator, universe. It doesn't exist outside of you. It exists within its creation, like the seed and a fruit. <clears throat> If you're not thriving in every area of your life, it's because there's clutter interfering with your access to that power. As you begin to remove the interference and you have access to that limitless power, because God is limitless, source is limitless, right? We all have access to that power. Then like your visions and passions start showing up in your life and you get connected to other things that you want to do. And I decided that I, you know, I had a friend convince me that I should train to train for a marathon a couple of years ago. And my first response was, I don't fucking run. <laughs> um, and I want to keep all my original body parts. I didn't, I never I'm saw running. myself as a runner. If I'm running, you should run too, because something's chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I swore I would never run, but I got convinced by some friends that, oh, well, we can teach you to run with proper form and not have not have to replace any body parts. I'm like, well, I'm active. I hike. I maybe I'll like it. Yeah. And that I fell in love with running. Um, so I ran a marathon uh, two years ago. Was that 22? Uh, Kauai, September 22. Mm -hmm. um, was that only a year ago? I don't know. Do the math. A little over a year ago. Yeah. 
So I did ran my first marathon. Then I was like, huh, I really like this. Let's see how far I can go. So then the coach that was coaching us as a group, I hired her as my private coach and I trained for my first 50K. Mm -hmm. uh, so I ran my first 50K trail race uh, last two weeks ago, Saturday um, on the 11th of November. And <clears throat> it was learning how to turn obstacles into opportunities because that's what leaders do. Obstacles are always going to show up in your life. And I was hit with many of them in the first 15 miles. A 50K is 30 miles, 30.6 to be precise. Um, but the first 15 miles were marked with all kinds of obstacles. Number one, I train at sea level. The race mm -hmm. was at over 4,000 feet in elevation. So I basically felt like I couldn't breathe the entire time. Right. Um, never felt like I caught my breath. And three miles in, uh, my IT band started flaring up. And if I was on a training run, I would have pulled my run and I would have went home and been, nope, we're done. Mm -hmm. But it's the race. It's race day. So it isn't how, it isn't, I can't do this. It is, how can I do this? How can I finish this race? Yeah. And so it was a lot of walking. It was a very, you know, out of a rating of one to five for terrain, it rated a three. And out of a rating of one to five for elevation, it rated a three. So my first 50K was right in the middle there of technical difficulty and elevation. And it was just like, okay, how can I? Um, so when I could run, I would run, which wasn't very often. And when I had to walk, I walked. And then on top of it all, it was like that very day, mother nature said, huh, we're going to bless you with your cycle as well. So we're going to suck the life right out of you. Um, <laughs> And then at the second aid station, 10 miles in, you don't want to hear this when you're running in the desert. We ran out of water. Oh my God. So all of that before the first, before we even hit the halfway mark, right? So all of these obstacles turned to opportunities, overcame them all and finished the race. I mean, it took me over 10 hours, mm -hmm. but I finished it. That was my only goal. I'm like, if I have to crawl across this finish line, I don't care what I got to do. I'm finishing this race. And so finish the race. And next on the list is the next distance. Well, I'm sure there's distances in between, but 50 miler is next, which is a 20 mile jump from a 50 K. So the long-term goal will be a 50 mile other than a hundred K then a hundred miler. And then some big name races like the bad water ultra and the marathon disables, but those are years down the road. Wow. So as you're telling this story, I'm totally covered in goosebumps because what a metaphor for never giving up. That perseverance and the resilience to just keep going. I love how you say, how can I, right? Because our brains aren't going to look for the opportunity. They're not, the brain is, it's reptilian brain is supposed to just be, no, we're not safe, quit, right? Oh, and yeah. So we've got to train not only the body, but also the brain and the heart and everything else to keep going. And this is not a beautiful metaphor for any of our dreams, whatever we want to achieve, just how can I? Yeah, there's always going to be obstacles. And so here I look at it this way in leadership, we talk about you have reasons, stories and excuses, mm -hmm. or you have results. Ah, <laughs> You cannot have both. <laughs> yes i love it you know and obstacles you're always going to have obstacles in life and so instead of oh i can't because i'm a victim to my life because this happened this happened oh my god i started my period oh my god my it bed oh my god there's no water oh my god like poor me let's just quit right right oh how can i finish this race 
How can I overcome these obstacles and cross the finish line? What is it going to take? How can I? Okay, if I have to walk, if I have to do one minute intervals, I walk for a minute, I run for a minute, I walk for a minute, I run for a minute. Whatever it's going to take, I'm going to do it. So much easier to quit. But when we turn the obstacles into opportunities and we finish what we set out to do, like you feel unstoppable. Like you feel on top of the world. Like when I look at that, I'm like, holy crap, my feet and body just carried me 30 miles. Exactly. A little over 30 miles. It was like 31. But anyway, I carried myself freaking 30 miles. Mm -hmm. And four of those miles was in the dark alone in the desert with a headlamp. (laughs) None of this talk of my nervous system can't handle it, right? <laughs> especially in the desert like, what are the obstacles that are showing up in your life that you're like oh my god I can't I'm a victim to life is happening to me well how about you know I'm sourcing these experiences in my life so that I can overcome so that I can persevere so that I can reach my next cut because we're never done yes. like The only thing constant in life is change. And to be blunt, if you are not moving forward, you are moving backwards. There is no stagnation. Sorry to tell you. Yeah. My favorite line, if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, Mel, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I could talk to you all day long. I just love the power that you bring to your conversation and really just love the motivation that you share. I'm like, I'm all fired up now. I'm like, okay, let's go on to what's next. I love it. (laughs) Uh, You have a free gift to share with the audience. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I would love to. So I am the author of Freedom from Clutter, the guaranteed foolproof step-by-step process to remove the stuff that's weighing you down. Yes, you could go buy it on Amazon, but guess what? That's clutter. Um, And I don't want to give you clutter. I didn't even want to write the darn book. I had a coach tell me I get to write a book. I'm like, fine, okay, because it's just going to be clutter. So instead of you going out to buy it, I'm going to do you one better. You can download the whole thing for free. And it's not a little ebook, like a little like 10 page thing. Like this is the full on book you can download for free by going to freegiftfrommel.com. Beautiful. Well, I will make sure that is in the show notes. And thank you, because I don't know how many books I have that are creating clutter in my house. So I'm Mm -hmm. excited to have a copy of the book. And I'm sure that the audience is as well. I would love to hear one last piece of wisdom that you'd like to leave the audience with. Yeah. So the only requirement to get free from clutter in every area of your life your your presence required Mm, say that one more time because i think we froze for a minute yeah the only requirement to get free from clutter in every area of your life is your presence your presence is required Mm, beautiful thank you so much mel Mm, thanks so much for having me such an honor to be here with you i love you so much i love you 
Thank you for catching another episode of the Life at Full Blast podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here, that you are part of this community. And if it resonates with you, please review, subscribe, share anything that you do to move this podcast out into the world to support humanity helps. And if you are ready to choose that most extraordinary life, visit my website, cindyvanonum.com. But above all else, no matter what you choose to do, remember, I love you, I believe in you, and I see your power. See you next week.